Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Today, we're talking about training hard. Who should do it? When should you do it? Why do you need to do it? Um, and training hard, not just in the practice room or on the mat, but also training hard in the fucking weight room and putting some weight up. So, Alex, take it off. Yeah, I think a lot of the times in this podcast, we kind of shy away from like that overtraining model or that like just go hard for going hard sake, right? It does serve a purpose, though. I think there's a, a valid time and place to just fucking grind your balls off just to just go right just put your head down and work really fucking hard during sessions um so that fits i think within a like you said a technical tactical model it fits within your uh weight room planning it fits pretty much anywhere and the only really real concern i have um in, as far as when can we train hard or when should we not it's like we just have to make sure it lines up with whatever we have on the horizon, like our timeline. Right. Right. Like if I have a fight in two weeks, it's not time to just flip switch in the gym and go fucking ape shit. Right. Yep. But if, you know, I'm out of camp or I'm, you know, have a fight schedule in three months or, um, yeah, I don't have anything planned and I'm just, I'm training to stay in shape, to be fit, to continue my technical, tactical growth there's no harm or foul in just going hard. Right. Like, um, right. and you can look at that, like more live goes in the session. You can look at that as put another session in your day. You can look at that as strength and conditioning as in adding some energy system work at the end of the day, or just, you know, maxing out whatever lift in a sense of intensity or in a sense of reps or capacity. Right. So I think sometimes flipping that switch and going like, what I would say like unnecessarily hard can yield a lot of benefits. Well, I think it, it allows you to find out where you're at. It allows you to find out what your thresholds are and, and how far you can push. The thing that I want to get across is it's not necessarily just conditioning. When we talk about hard, it's not just going on long ass runs, right. Yeah. And doing boring shit. You should vary your, I guess, hardness or the method that with which you are trying to do hard shit. Right. Yeah. Hard shit doesn't just mean live wrestling at the end. It doesn't just mean going on a run. It's what Alex said. It's load the bar up, put some fucking weight on and see. Like that's typically what I see fighters shy away from more than anything is wanting to lift heavy. They want to, they, they want to do the grindy shit because that's like their sport. Their sport is grindy, right? Yeah. They want to do the running. They want to do the energy system development. They don't want to do the heavy lifting that we can really accomplish some cool shit and some good, like get to our goals out of camp when we're doing heavy ass weight. A hundred percent. Well, I think it's because like athletes and we all, we, we like to pick and choose our games, right? Our games that we like to play, like our comp yeah. competition or, uh, and on a lot of athletes radar, like lifting heavy ass weight is not a game they like to play or not. It's not an output right. that they value, right? Like there's only a few MMA athletes that I know or follow or watch that are watching heavy ass lifts on Instagram. Right. It's just not a, not a pursuable goal or not something they see as noteworthy. Right. So if I'm going to play a game as in train fucking hard and go after an output or try and, 
uh, burying myself or burying my athlete or whatever, um, the value that they ascribe to whatever game, like if I'm going to work this fucking hard, it's got to be for a reason. Yep. Right. And like, and a lot of times MMA athletes can get behind running, conditioning, grinding, live wrestling goes, live technical sparring goes, live whatever. They can get behind that a lot more than put fucking weight up on that bench press and go. Right. Like that, that's a specific game, I think. Yeah, but it's that comes down to the coach relaying the message better. That's sure. that's because they haven't relayed why it makes sense, right? There's this concept of strength efficiency. The stronger you are, the less energy it's going to take to accomplish the same task, right? They fighters understand conditioning because every single fighter ever has felt tired in a fight. Yeah. Right? Every single no matter what you do, if you are in a fight for 15 minutes, 3 5-minute rounds, even 25 minutes, you're going to be tired as fuck. If you if you're not tired as fuck, then either you're superhuman or you didn't do much in that fight, right? Yep. It's really hard unless you have somebody explaining it well, the concept of, hey, if I lift that heavy ass weight, that makes the movements that I do take less energy, right? That's yep. that's really what it is. It's this concept of strength efficiency and the stronger that I get in a certain pattern, the less energy it will take for me to accomplish that similar goal. Yep. And as soon as you at least in my experience, explain that in a way that the fighters understand they can get behind lifting heavyweight. They can get obviously safely, but they can get behind putting a little bit more on the, on the bar, trying to push themselves in their squats and their deads and the big pattern lifts that yeah. don't necessarily make sense in the concept of MMA. But once you break it down to, I saw a quote on Twitter yesterday. Uh, I don't remember what coach was saying it, but um, it was, Anything in the weight room is a general movement. It is not their sport. Sure. You can be as sport specific as you want with movements, but anything that is not on the field, on the mat, in the ring is a general movement for them to become a better athlete. So we're all doing just general shit anyways. It's all, no matter whether we're in a GPP phase or an SPP phase or a peaking phase, it is still general movement if it doesn't involve hitting another human or taking another human down to the mat or submitting somebody. So we need to focus on trying to make them understand that if we're doing general movements, we need to do these movements as best as we can get as strong as we can in those movements. And then that strength efficiency, so to say, is going to make you a better athlete. That better athleticism should translate into your sport better, which is just what general training is. It makes you a better athlete to then go into your sport and apply the skills you learned. Yeah, hundred percent. It goes into my kind of my box of like robustness, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're a, a high level athlete, you're successful at MMA, that's your technical tactical grind or whatever. Do this challenge I put in front of you, right? This is the challenge that I put in front of you. You will be better by doing it and you'll add some, you know, skill points to whatever category of athleticism that we're working. Right. So I think, um, and that's how I always frame it too. When we're going to have a hard ass training session or when something's coming up for the athlete, like you can frame it as a game, right? It's a competition. It's like, we're going to see what you got today. Um, we're going to see if you can do 10 reps at this weight. We're going to see if you can hit one here. We're going to see what you got in the tank or, or phrasing it and putting it in front of them as a challenge, I think is another way that you can get almost immediate buy-in because every athlete likes to be challenged. Every athlete that's worth their salt and wants to win is going to go into that challenge with 
kind of a fuck you attitude, right? Yeah. Like, no, yeah, I can do that thing. Like, what are you doing? Unless, again, you haven't contextualized it and they don't really care, right? That's the only downfall. Yeah. That's my favorite thing to do is just call an athlete a pussy in front of everybody. <laughs> like, I, I recently, Tracy, Tracy didn't want to do these jumps. And she, she didn't not want to do the jumps, but she was kind of dragging that day. I'm like, Tracy, why are you being such a fucking pussy? And there was like five or six people around. Immediately, the switch went. Just went <laughs> hard, hard, right, straight into hard mode and just fucking boom, boom, boom. Repped him out. Best set she ever had. Just because that challenge was there. Yeah. As soon as I challenged her, her fucking her lady balls, she's like, mm-hmm. all right, let's fucking go. And she turned it up immediately. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. And I can see where that hits you pretty hard of being like a healthcare and, and a wellness place as well. It's like that might be a time for the athlete to like let the bravado go or let the the competitive spirit go, right? Because it's like yeah. I'm coming here to get taken care of. Like this is one of my places that I feel okay yeah. to show some vulnerability or to show some hurt or whatever. And then like but it's also a training environment, right? You're also right. need to fucking put your head down and work sometimes. So being able to flip that switch and control that environment as a coach is it's a pretty cool um, skill that I've observed and watched a lot of good coaches, you know, really take a hold of. And, I, and the more and more I recognize good coaching is that's what coaches are good at, right? Like right. it's connection. X, yeah. This technical X is a noise bullshit. Like anybody can get it and we can read a textbook. Anybody can understand how to put methods in place and layer them or whatever, but controlling an atmosphere and setting the tone, challenging your athletes, helping, or knowing when and why to implement training fucking hard yeah. is the skill set that determines you if you're a good coach or not. Like um, one morning at Factory X, it was a sparring day Friday, and sparring starts at 10. Um, athletes required to show up at 930, get their warm-up in, get their mind right. And we treat sparring at Factory X a lot different than maybe a lot of gyms, maybe not. Um, but like sparring day is like literally like competition simulation. Yeah. Right. You get there, you warm up how you wait for competition. There's music. It's a high energy room. It's like, it's like a scrimmage day or it's like, uh, well, there's that's, how an, sh- that's how it should be. Right. There's an energy <laughs> to it. It's not just, yeah, you know, it's not just show up and try and beat, beat somebody up. Um, we always play the UFC song. What is it? The fucking, I can't, I don't know the name of it. Um, I don't Bruce know. Springsteen. Is it the one they always play right before the pay-per-view? Um, you keep anyway, talking, I'll look it up. Sure. They always play that song right before the first round. Um, but one particular Friday, I forget what it is. Everybody seemed like, like energy was low. Everybody was lacking and, um, people showed up late. There wasn't as much intensity in the air and like everybody could pick up on it. It's like, but who's going to step up and like challenge the, the status quo of the room right now. And we came in the middle and Mark was given his kind of pre sparring spiel, like who's got what rounds, what we want to see, um, what the, and he like, he like addressed it head on. He goes, the energy in this room's kind of, kind of low today. Like, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't really fucking matter, but, uh, we got to change that. And like, everybody kind of looks and like, yeah, it's like, that's like obvious, right? Everybody knows. Yeah. We got to change the energy. Like, but how? And then the next thing Mark says, uh, I would have never anticipated ever in a million years and i don't even remember the specific quote but he cracked a joke and he started like making fun of yusuf zalal or some shit or he just like (laughs) he just like went in on somebody and just started like 
you know, doing a little stand-up comedy routine. And, and it worked, man. Like, everybody started laughing. Energy came up. And it wasn't like the, like, we need to beat the shit out of each other, get your shit going type energy. But it was like, lighten the mood and let give people at least an availability to get to that space versus yeah. like everybody's kind of dragging ass. Maybe we had a hard training week, something like that. But it was really cool to see him take control of the atmosphere in that room and then use comedy as a as a source to spark um, like training fucking hard, which is yeah. kind of the theme, right? So it doesn't just have to be like hard on mode, right? Because I'm sorry, I've been talking for a long time here, but I feel like athletes get sick of the like throw fucking hardcore music on go hard put your head down and wah right yeah. like that shit yeah, gets old down that with shit, the sickness just yeah, consistently like, played down with the sickness by disturbed that's gonna over work and over really again really well for your 20 year old your 22 yeah. year old yeah. the fucking <laughs> that is in the shit that needs to work right and that's hurting but like you get to some vets some 31 32 34 year olds they're like and i mean like I'll put the work in, but you don't need all that fucking noise, right? Well, you need you need a way to keep the intensity with the majority of your athletes, right? That's really all it comes down to. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what you said, reading the room. You got to know, is it the time that I can call somebody a pussy? Is it the time that I can fucking, I can go hard on one guy and make everybody laugh? Or is it a time that I say, hey, it's a red flag day. This is going to fucking suck. I'm sorry. Let's do it. Yeah. But it, it's all dependent upon what the mood of the people in front of you is. And I love like the other thing that's been really cool to see was uh, somebody we had on the podcast, Austin Yoakum. He gamifies everything. He instead yeah. of making it like a hardo environment, he makes it like every Friday they play a game and yeah. the game has a fucking it's not just like, oh, we're playing a fucking game today. The game has a purpose. It, it is a purposeful game to increase athleticism, whether it's a warm up or a cool down or whether it's just the competition phase. You need some sort of task to try to get their competitive nature out there. Right. And the other thing that that does as well as part of the reason why I don't think combat athletes like to lift heavy to go back to that concept is they sure. don't like failure. Sure. Right. You gravitate towards games we're good at. And just in general, they're afraid of failing at anything, right? Because failure in MMA is heartbreaking. Like you only get to compete at max, probably five times a year, most likely two to three. If you lose one of those, you're stuck thinking about a loss for three months, four months. That is the epitome of failure doesn't leave you. It's the epitome of I don't want to do that thing because then you're stuck feeling like a shit bag for three months right? Most people can't just shake that feeling of a loss. Most people that care about the sport or care about their career can't just shake that feeling about a loss, unfortunately. So you in, in weightlifting and in training and in everything that we talk about with building a fighter, we need to make them take risks. I talked about on the last podcast. I think the number one thing for an athlete to be able to overcome going from good to great is the ability to take risks. But if you're so afraid of failure that you're not willing to take the risks, you're not willing to put another 10 pounds on the bar. You're not willing to do another two minutes because you're afraid you're about to give out. You're not willing to do that extra cage round because you're afraid of what's going to happen. Then you're not going to take those risks in the fight. And that's not going to translate. Risk taking is just a skill and we can get better at it. And the best way to do that is a lower stakes game like how Austin's doing over with Yoakum performance. Oh man, yeah, and 
those are so fun. And they like, again, open the door to working really hard and seeing it. Like uh, when you said the gamification, when you're thinking about it, like one of the best introductions I've had into my wrestling room this spring and practices, honestly, from in season to spring haven't changed that much. Right. Yep. And the, the idea is like spring wrestling, let's lighten up on the guys. Let's let them have a little fun. We don't have to place as much emphasis on winning. We don't have to go hard, whatever. Right. We want kids to enjoy it. We want them to keep coming back for the spring. It's essentially a marketing program for our season, our season, but practices haven't changed that much. We still wrestle really freaking hard. Yep. We still get after it. We still, I'm still like intense in the room because I think that's part of the allure too. as much as people don't like it, blah, blah, blah. Like some, a lot of athletes like it when you're in their shit and you're like invested in them anyway. Um, but one of the be- best additions that we did, we play handball every day as a yeah. warm up. We play fucking handball and our handball games get fucking rowdy, man. People get into them, right? Yeah. We said start implementing rules about like people tackling and contact and, and shit like this. And then yeah, people spraining AC joints and shit. Yeah, dude. And <laughs> I tell you what, one of the things that I've really taken over and like both personally and I think as a coach, right? Like I've got kind of a chip on my shoulder about this handball game, right? And I think it just shows kids that no matter what you're doing, you can compete and you can try to win. Yeah. Right. Cause for a long time in a handball game, like, you know, I'm the coach, I'm fucking 28 years old. They're all 12 or whatever. And yeah. so whatever team I'm on is typically the worst team, but there was like a, a two week stretch there where I was like one in nine. Right. Like I just couldn't figure the shit yeah. out. Right. Can you go God mode? It, it was fucking hard. Yeah. 12 dude. year olds. Dude, handball is hard. To, it's a hard game to solo, right? Um, <laughs> but there's a lesson in there of figuring out how to win and using your attributes. But anyway, but fucking Thursday, by the way, I was three and zero. So I fucking nice. Fuck ran yeah. that shit. Um, what was I? What point was I actually getting to? Um, but handball. I know, right? Going hard and have oh, competing in everything you do, right? Like everything you do, you got to compete and beat the other guy, right? Like handball, we start the day off, we're competing, we're trying to win, right? And like there's some griminess and some grit in that. Like we introduced a rule that if you start making contact with somebody or wrestling them, one, they get as many steps as they want, right? Like if you start wrestling somebody, they can start moving. Um, Two, if you start wrestling somebody, it's one-on-one, like – that's a good to, rule because we, we used to fucking team up on people. Right. We used to <laughs> mash people. And then it's yeah. just like a, a conglomeration a little ball of yeah. people just rolling around. Right. But no, yeah. we made it one on one. And so like you get to see the people like pick and choose who they're going to fuck with really yeah. hard, which is fun. Um, but the wrestling's one on one. We're competing to win the handball game. You're competing individually in different scenarios in the handball game. Then we're drilling, wrestling really hard. We wrestle live. That's competing all the time. And then fucking even at the end of the day, we have to pick up the mats every day for a cheerleading team, which is silly. Gross. But there's one side of the room. There's two mats in the room. One side gets the other side. We get the one side. And it's like, who can put the mat away the fastest? Who can get this shit done? Right? Compete in everything you do. And I think that echoes itself later and later and later in life as another motivation you can find in your training. Right? Like, it's not necessarily like... I'm going to go train hard today. I need to lift this heaviest weight, beat the bar or whatever. But it's like that motherfucker's going hard. I'm going to see his intensity. And I don't even care if I lift more than him. I don't care what he's lifting. 
but I'm going to do better compared to myself than he does compared to himself. Right. Like that competition factor, I think is another way to introduce training hard in every scenario. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's hard too, because like, and at least in my model, I'm a semi-private model. So I only at most, I mean, sometimes people's schedules get fucked up, but at most I'll have typically three or four people at a time if I'm on the training side of my spectrum. Right. Right. So it's kind of, and they all have their own programs. So Mm -hmm. you you need to find ways to increase intensity, even though they're not doing the same lifts. So I'll like, I'll purposely schedule, I'm a kind of a dickhead sometimes I'll purposely schedule some people that they they don't like dislike each other, but I know they're competitive with each other at the same time, like a couple bantam weights all at the same time. I'm like, Hey motherfuckers, let's go. (laughs) Like who's going to lift the best today. And yeah, right. it's, it's, it's cool to see because like when I, when I have my Bantamweight crew in, cause uh, our gym is kind of known for our Bantamweights. It's our main weight class. And so when I, when I get three or four of them in there at the same time and they're all kind of like looking at each other and just going to eye each other up and down, even though they're teammates, they're fucking trying to, to get one over on the other person. That's when yeah. shit starts to click. That's when, that's when Hunter hits like t- this week. I was super proud of him. He hit his, he hit his old three rep max for six reps Damn, <laughs> of nice. his old three rep max of three months ago for six reps. And I'm oh, like, fuck great. dude, you're getting strong yeah. and that's fucking cool. But he did it when there was another 135 or there. And I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, I see. You don't want to look like a bitch. No. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and, but it was awesome. It was perfect form. He, he got all the gains in. It was, it was beautiful. But I, I personally don't think that would have happened if there wasn't another person there that he wanted to beat. If, if he wasn't there to try to not just work out today, but to compete. Yeah. And there's such a mental edge to that too, right? Like if you're competing and everything and you know, more or less you're, you're going to win, right? You're winning because you get a hard workout, right? And the, the pseudo games that you play in your head of competitions, like there's no real result in them and even if you're losing right it's like who cares i just lost in training in this own this game that i placed in my own little head right yeah and then that feels well, but that's, that's hard more. though that's fucking hard though because if if you're the type of person that's there to compete it's really hard to say oh man i lost this stupid little game because they just worked themselves up to compete and then they fucking lost so it's hard well, to just turn off that switch but my my argument is it's it's a lot easier to bounce back and use that as fuel for motivation than like a mm-hmm. formal loss than somebody mm-hmm. like outright seeing you or some judge telling you lost or whatever. That's true. So I think it's it's easier to turn that one into fuel. But dude, some of the mental edge that you gain from training really fucking hard is incomparable to anything else. Like yeah. you feel invincible, right? <laughs> like like especially in a weight room setting. Like I've been working hard or I hit my three RM for six reps or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's like, man, I can fucking do anything. Right. Yeah. Like, do you have a harder lift please? Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's, it's the old, it's the old concept. Like you feel like it's what uh, Augie was saying when he was on here, like right. find something that makes him feel like Superman. Like yeah. I've said it on this podcast multiple times. I've gotten into disagreements with our head coach Santino multiple times where I don't think that athletes need to run. I don't think running is necessary the one thing that running has over a lot of other modalities is it forces you to be strong mentally. Right. If you're doing running for the physical benefits, there are so many other things that you can do. If you're doing running for the mental benefits, I don't know of many things that are better than just going out there, just fucking running four miles out and four miles back. 
and yeah. being having the mental fortitude to be like, nope, I'm not going to bitch out today. Nobody else is pushing you. Nobody else is watching you just to get that done. And it's you, your own thoughts, and probably a little bit of music. Yeah, That's yeah, what I think, like talking about training hard, that's what I think running does well. I think it trains your brain. I think it trains your, your mind to be strong. And I don't think it's necessary for our low intensity work. I don't think it's necessary for a fight camp to, to be in shape, but I think it's really important for you to be able to say, I'm going to run eight miles today and not bitch out and run the eight miles, not just run six, not just run five and just have you and your thoughts the entire time. Well, I think that leads into one, another key, um, I guess, mindset principle that I try and teach a lot of my high school wrestlers, a lot of my other athletes. Like it's very clear to see when somebody's like in the grind and in the shit and they got their mindset like turned up, right? And yes. they're turned on yeah. and they're being consistent. They're, you know, in the zone, whatever that is, but like not in the zone as far as like killing this workout in the zone, as far as like the last three weeks, this motherfucker's locked in. Yeah. Right. And I think, Running, the biggest thing that running helps and, and what I think about it is you can be consistent at it. Like no matter where you are, what you're doing, mm-hmm. you can go for a run, right? And I, I'm that guy that running is a mental kind of check for me. It's like, am I in a good, robust shape? Am I ready to compete? Is like, okay, can I run my three miles and under whatever time frame it is, right? Or do I feel good while I run these three miles, right? And you know, I haven't been passing that test recently, but the consistency factor in the grind, because you get to make a lot of hard decisions consequentially and sequentially, and it just builds momentum for yourself, right? Like the more often you choose to do hardship or choose to do something that's good for you, even though it's the harder choice, right? The more you choose correctly in that decision, the more often and the easier it gets to choose that decision again and then again and then again and then again. And like running is one of those things where it's like really black and white and really simple and really easy to win that. I mean, I shouldn't say easy to win that decision gives you a lot of opportunities to bitch out, to quit, to whatever. I'm not going to run today. I don't need to. I'm going to stop at half. I'm going to, you know, all those little thoughts that tell you to quit, all those little thoughts, they happen so prevalently and so often at running that you get to shut them down continually, shut them down again and then again and again and again. And the more often you can shut them down when you're running, that's a transferable skill. That's something that can apply to MMA, to any training hard environment to anything it's like shut those little bitchy voices down right i, I call them like my inner demons i gotta yeah. slay those fucking demons right yeah. like there's a lot of ways that people talk about it like david goggins or cam haynes or whoever you want to choose as your low motivational clip or whatever but oh, running presents you with that that opportunity to choose you know to put your head down and go through the fire mm-hmm. repetitively and then yep. again, and then again. And so that's where I, I think a lot of benefit from running comes from and why it's such an addictive training supplement, even though, like you said, ergonomically, physiologically, whatever, it's maybe not the best for our athletes. Right. Well, it's it's just like everything else. It's it's ingrained into our culture. It's, in, it's ingrained into us as humans. Like there's literally fight or flight. Are you going to run? Or are you going to fight? Right. Mm-hmm. It's funny that Fighters love running too, (laughs) but it's something that people can connect around. It's something that can build a community and people. The other thing is we've talked about it a little bit, but we haven't really a hundred percent hit it. 
people that are going to suffer together, people that are going to work fucking hard together is going to make everybody better. It's going to build the environment that everybody is going to get better because the best way to work hard. We, I, I talked about it with the group with Hunter and having people around is to have everybody on the same page, trying to push each other. That's what running does. Yeah. Well, if I always say, I prefer when my people run by themselves, when my fighters run by themselves, because I want them to be alone with their own thoughts. But sometimes you need that little extra push. Sometimes it's good to do like a team run. I know you guys do team runs, right? Mm-hmm. With factory X like that, that team run helps you, potentially accomplish something you didn't think you could accomplish. Maybe you only thought you could do five miles, but the person next you got fucking, uh, I don't know, Brandon Roy Valls up there. He's like, no bitch, we're doing seven miles today. And, and they go and do seven miles. Brandon would be like, nah, bitch, we're doing 15 miles today. Okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> so now, nah, bitch, you're doing 50. Yeah, you're doubling it up. And then you go do that and you accomplish something you never thought you were going to be able to do because you didn't want to look like a pussy. At the end of the day, I think it kind of comes down to just don't look like a pussy and work your ass off. Yeah, I think that and I, for me, it's a win. It's like competing. I don't I guess not even personally winning for me, but like finding those games to compete in. That's what I find a lot of motivation and, and thrilling. But I mean, you're exactly right. And, and if we talk about training really fucking hard, like we'd be remiss not to talk about like community. And the the shared right. the shared adversity of fucking that, CrossFit right? the entire fad CrossFit, that was CrossFit fucking jujitsu yeah. MMA it all hits that because there's hard work to be done it's mm-hmm. inevitable and you're gonna share that adversity with your teammates or with whoever is next to your side right if you're just at a gym pop jujitsu class or whatever the guy next to you is suffering just as much there's mm-hmm. a undeniable camaraderie in that right mm-hmm. you want to talk about building community. And exactly the model you just said, CrossFit. Like, I'm pretty sure CrossFit's, CrossFit's only community building um, strategy was put people through some hard shit together. Fuck yeah, right. That's and uh, then, what do you what do you think the military, the American military? What do you think they've done for years? Yeah, right. It's why do you think they have boot camp? Yep. It's not necessarily to make you fit or in shape. You're, it's only a month. You're not going to get that much out of it. Right. It's to build camaraderie. It's to build connection. It's so everybody suffers at the same time so that everybody's a part of a team. That's why the Navy SEALs have hell week. It's not because you're going to get anything out of it other than all you are brothers now. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So I think there's a ton of benefits, whether it's mental health, whether it's, I shouldn't say even mental health, like a mentality, I guess, more of a mentality that you get from training really fucking hard. There's obviously physical benefits and times and places for that. And we can nerd out about that shit later if we really want to. Um, There's that shared adversity that builds up a team, right? Like Factory X is one of the, the shining examples of this. Like if you make it through and you get onto the Factory X fight team, like I would, I would be hard pressed to find any more supportive group, yeah. right? Like, and it's, it's not a sense of like, this is what you have to do. This is not, it's just like, this is how we do things, you know, like, and, and that's really cool in a community environment and it's forged in the fire. Um, but there's so many benefits to just training really fucking hard. And again, I just want to talk about it because I feel like so often in this podcast, we, we shy away from the overtraining type of aspect or like, don't just go hard to go hard type of attitude, train smarter, not harder. Yeah. And while I do believe in that <clears throat> time and place and fucking dose your venom. Yeah. I like it. 
Well, so this is Building a Fighter Podcast. If you guys got to get in touch with us, all of our information is going to be in the show notes. Um, that's going to be emails and Instagram. Uh, Instagram is probably the easiest way to get a hold of us because you'll get a direct response. Um, if you are looking for any sort of programming, we have strength and conditioning programs. We have a low back course for strengthening and tr- uh, helping to increase mobility and stability through the low back. We also have monthly memberships based around strength, conditioning, mobility, and an entire total program, our flagship building a fighter mo- membership. And then we also have our custom programs there available as well. So that's going to be if you need a custom program, if you're a professional athlete, that's the one I recommend um, would be getting a, a program tailored to you for your individual needs and for the competition that you have coming up. So this is Dr. Austin Shane. Alex Friedman. And we are out.